it's going to be a great series. I really debated what to do today and whether I should bring you a special message about fear and anxiety, but I really, I really feel like I want to move forward in this series, and I hope that uh, you're comfortable with that. And um, like I said to you, we, we will communicate as clearly as we can, as quickly as we can about our plans going forward. Uh, we don't know what they are. Our plan right now is for Easter at City. We're four weeks away. Easter at City Hills. Our plan is to be right here meeting together at 8.30, 10, and 11.30, everybody. And so uh, until that changes, I, I, we don't, again, we, we just don't know. We're going to trust God. And uh, we're going to believe, so next week, if we're able to meet together here next week, and that's what we choose to do, then you'll have invitations and all kinds of places you can bring people to church with you. Um, and, and, and just know, whatever it is that we decide, whatever it is that we have to do, you don't have to be disconnected. So I, I, I like to say it this way, that social distancing, which I don't even know if I love that word, I think that's the enemy's way of dividing people, but anyway, social distancing doesn't have to mean spiritual seclusion. So you don't have to disconnect from God or God's people just because you're not high-fiving and hugging people. Amen, everybody? So, so you're going to have to be intentional, and this is, you know, this is that season when, the reason why we built a church of small groups, the reason why since we started this church, we were a church of small groups, not just with small groups reason I tell you so many times is times like this. We built them so we could pastor you, communicate with you, care for you, pray for you. You've got a church family surrounding you. And if we can't meet together, then you can still be together in smaller groups. And if we have to go to an online service, you can host a watch party and bring friends and family over your house. You may want to hide your toilet paper just in case that, you know, somebody's trying to steal up in your house. Or, or but, but we just... I just want to encourage you, do not get, it. nothing would make the enemy happier than during a crisis like this for you to disconnect and unplug from God's best plan for your life, right? Let's just don't do it. Let's just say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay plugged in. Amen, everybody? Amen. All right, I got to preach really quick today because I'm going to let you out early so our team can clean again. Bow your heads, let's pray. Father, thank you for God's word. I opened my heart to it today. Whatever you want to say to me, my answer is yes. I receive it in Jesus' name and everybody shout amen. Come on, shout a better amen. amen. All right. Uh, we are in this, in the, starting a four-week series called Make Room Today. And, and uh, it kind of was birthed out, at least the title of this series was birthed out of the idea that I'm claustrophobic. Anybody else, you know what that means? Or if you're from the South, I'm a claustrophobic, which is not really a word. Uh, I'm, I'm claustrophobic. It means I don't like to be in tight spaces. I remember when we went to New York City for the first time, Brandy and I, and we went to the top of the Empire State Building, and there's an elevator that is 80, some odd 88, 89 stories uh, that you ride this elevator up. Now, I'm also scared of heights. No short jokes needed. And so it was a perfect combination for me to have a meltdown. Come on, somebody. Around floor 30 or 35. I don't like, I, I don't like small elevators. I don't like, I don't like just tight spaces. I don't like pa panic rooms. Why do I need a room to lock me in to make me panic? I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. Come on, somebody. I don't need a room to escape from. That ain't, that's, this is not, I, I don't like, I just don't, I feel like it's all coming in together. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, actually, we were on a field trip uh, with my baby's uh, Hazel School, and we took Henry, and Brandon and I were able to both go that day to Natural Bridge Caverns. Have you ever been there? Natural Bridge Caverns on the east side of town, shirts uh, area on the east side of town. 
And, and I'm thinking to myself, it's an underground cavern and it's great and there's, you know, it's just going to be open. And, and we had, you know, my little girl's eight. I mean, her, you know, her class and second graders. And I mean, they're not, you know, experienced hikers. Surely this isn't, you know, very strenuous. But we sort of corralled everybody together. There are, you know, dozens and dozens of school groups and, and hundreds of kids that are there. And there's this line of tiny children that have no idea that we're going further and further into the belly of the earth. But I knew that we were going. And every step I took, I thought to myself, how can I get out of here without freaking out? How, how can I just not, how can I hold it together so that I don't trample second graders to get out of this? And we would go into large rooms and it would be, you know, and I felt like I could breathe. And then I would remember, oh, you can breathe until the tour guide told me how deep we were. And I was like, ma'am, you don't have to keep telling us how far we go. You don't have to tell me how deep into the earth and how far away I am from daylight. And this is a true story if you've ever been. There's this last kind of climb out because you climb down 17 miles or something into the belly of the earth. And, and, then, and then so this last final climb out and you could see, it was, it was dark. As a matter of fact, they turned the lights off in that last part. And you could see daylight sort of literally like, like it is right now, like up, up the stairs and the lights were coming in through there. And so help me God, I left both children and my wife. And I ran out of natural bridge caverns. I just don't like crowded. I just don't like it this crowded. I don't like, I don't like it crowded. And honestly, our lives can get crowded. Our lives can feel like they're, they're sort of they're, they're caving in on us. And this is a series about spring cleaning. This is a series about decluttering your life and your mind and your budget and your thought life and decluttering our church services and our faith and our calendars because we need more room for God to move in our lives, everybody. And if we don't have any room for God to move, it's just it's always so tight and jam-packed. Anybody ever looked at your calendar and thought, i got to squeeze in sleep somewhere? Anybody? I gotta squeeze in like I, there, I just I can't keep running from here to there. I just can't keep this pace up. And the Bible talks about this. Actually, a book you've, you've probably not heard a lot from, or and I haven't preached a lot from, is is the book of Haggai. The Bible talks about it like this. Haggai one, it says, "Now this is what the Lord Almighty says: Give careful thought to your calendar and your budget and your life and your church." And, 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 and the ways of your life, because you have planted much, and you've harvested little. You ever felt like that? I'm working 80 hours a week and I feel like I've got less than I had last week. You, have, you eat and, and you never have enough. You drink and you never have your fill. You put on clothes and you're not warm. I want you to just catch the, the imagery that the prophet is trying to build that it's just not enough. You just, you just keep reaching and keep grabbing for and it's never enough. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody feel like that right now in your life? Like there's holes somewhere. Where is my money going? Where's, every, where's the time go? And God says it like this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. 
Over the next four weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to give careful thought. What are we going to do? We're going to look at our lives and why are we still feeling empty? I have more, but I have less. And, 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 and I, I'm working more, but I feel like I'm getting nowhere. And, and maybe today you feel like that crowding end of your life or maybe even your spiritual life. You've so jam-packed it with stuff and extras and religion and what you have to. And, and there's no room for God to move every Everybody. And culture tells you you got to have more, you got to buy more, you got to do more, you got to spend more, you got to accomplish more, you got to conquer more, you got to commit to more. And the truth of the matter is, we're living at an unsustainable pace. And God has no room in your life to talk to you, breathe on you, give you space, give you a chance to hear from heaven. Is that okay, everybody? Say amen to that. And it adds stress to you. And then you add stress to those around you. And your marriage is stressful. And your family and your kids. I ask people all the time, how's, how's it going? Are you enjoying your life? And I've met people who say, no, I'm not enjoying my life. And I don't have time to talk about it. i got to go. No, I'm not enjoying it. No, this isn't fun. But I don't feel like I can get off this, this wheel that I'm spinning around. It's all just more and more, and I have no margin in my life for important things. Write this in your notes. Margin is the amount available beyond what's necessary. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. Margin. Margin. I want to talk to you for about 20 more minutes about The margin that you need in your life. Just setting the foundation for us making room in our life for God to move. Making room for miracles to happen. Making room for God to lead us. Making room for God to speak to us. Making room in our church and in your life and in your family for God. But I need margin to do it. And today's that foundational message to tell you to... I just need some, if you've got 30 minutes to get there, how many of you are the people that if you've got 30 minutes to get there, you leave at, at about... 29 minutes before it's time to be there. Anybody? Yeah, just you just write on there. Here's it, let me get you a little secret. This is all free. This is just this is just good good godly preaching. If you have 30 minutes, you could leave you could leave early. If it takes 20 minutes to get there, leave at 30 minutes and you'll have 10 minutes of margin. You'll have some margin in your life. I'm just these are just good practical things you may have never thought of. If you have $100, and, and you have $80 worth of bills, then you have $20 worth of margin. If you have $100 and you have $120 worth of bills, you don't have lights. Right, that's what you're about to say. You don't have no heat. You don't have no AC. You just, you just, there's no margin in your life. And, and, and we need margin in every area of our life. And listen, it's not just on your calendar and it's not just in your budget. Listen to me. You need emotional margin in your life. You need space in your mind to deal with unexpected conflict and trouble. If your mind is completely jam-packed, then when something comes up, the reason you're seeing, I'm just being honest with you, the reason you're seeing panic going right now is because our minds are so inundated with so much stuff that we physically don't have room or emotional capacity to just calm down and take a deep breath. You, You need moral margin in your life. I'm preaching good today. You need moral margin. It could be I'm high on all the disinfectant. I don't know. Moral margin says I've got space between me and my temptation. 
<laughs> I'm always amazed at people that say, you know, I struggle with this. And I say, well, then how far away are you? Well, I mean, I just, I mean, it's not, look, look at me. If you're an alcoholic, I don't know that I would go to every bar and order club soda. You've got no margin. Is that okay? If you struggle with pornography, I don't know that I would have a phone with an unlimited data package and nobody have the passwords to my social media accounts because there's no moral margin there. If you walk on the line, it's amazing how close you can get. The other day, not the other day, a couple of months ago, I took a personal sabbatical. First time I've ever done it in my ministry. I just took two days. I tacked on to the, a preaching uh, engagement that I had. I was out of town preaching and I, I left two days early for a personal time of retreat and reflection and just talking to God at the end of last year about this year. And I did some hiking. Uh, in, I was in the Smoky Mountains in, in eastern uh, Tennessee and I was doing some hiking by myself. It was November and it had snowed. And uh, one of the trails that I went, it was absolutely amazing, just stunning and, and beautiful. And I really love that part of the, 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 the country. And one of the trails I was up, I was the only one on it, and it was covered in ice. And, and, I, and, and I, I was distinctly aware, Justin, of how close to the edge I was. Right? I was distinctly aware of how inexperienced I was as a hiker. Come on. Nothing will make you feel fatter than hiking up something and realizing this is as far as I can get. Come on, somebody. This is all I got right here. And you add ice to that, and your brother was struggling. All right? I, was, I, could, I could just see movies being made about me eating my own arm off. You know what I'm saying? I just knew how close to the edge I was. I would look over and go, man, this is ice. It's close to the edge. I'm just t- you need moral margin in your life. You need time margin. You can't jam every moment of every day overloaded so you don't have time with God. You don't have time to build godly relationships. You don't have time to minister to people around you. You don't have time for a small group. You don't have time to serve. You need, time. You need spiritual margin. Listen to me. You need spiritual margin in your life because God wants to give you more. And if you believe you've arrived and I'm the most spiritual and I'm the benchmark of spirituality and I'm the one that knows and I've got all I ever need, then where can God move and you can experience more of God and hear from God and be closer to God if you don't have any margin? Are you there? Say amen. Amen. I'll tell you a story about it really quick. In the New Testament, there are two women who illustrate this principle of margin more than anybody else I know. One one had margin, created space, made room, and she experienced something that no one could ever take from her with Jesus. And the other did not and was so so jam-packed with her responsibilities. I want you to read it with me in Luke 10. Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha had opened her home to Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, watch this, listening to what he said. Two sisters, same house, same open invitation. Jesus walks by. Martha, Martha is is doing stuff and Mary just, the Bible says, she sat at his feet and listened to what he said. And Martha was, underline this in your notes, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now catch this. Martha is distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. Mary created margin and she had a moment with God. She sat at Jesus' feet. We don't know what He said. We don't know what He taught. It was between her and Jesus. And there's some stuff God wants to give you that you'll only get if you have margin in your life to hear from God. 
If you have room in your life, if you haven't jam-packed every dollar, every hour, if you don't, if you don't ride that moral line, if you have emotional uh, margin in your life, Mary has this thing to do. There were other things that could do. Martha was distracted. Now listen to me. She wasn't distracted with sin. She was doing things that had to be done. Because you can be, write this down, distracted with good things and miss out on the best things. You don't just have to be distracted with sin. You can be distracted with good things that withhold from you the best things. Martha, you've got to, the preparations have to be made. You can get busy doing lesser things and miss out on the most important things in your life. This series is to tell you, hey, let's, let's really prioritize not just am I doing good things, but have I chosen the best things from God. If you've got time to do others, you've got an hour to be in a small group, not because the church told you to, but because when the world is chaotic and they won't let you meet like the billions of Christians around the world in China and Iran and, and, and in places in Saudi Arabia, then you're going to want a small group. So if you've called down an hour of your week, then you have time for believers. It's not that you're not busy with work and school and soccer and stuff. It's just there's the best thing that God has for you and you can't be distracted with good things. Shout amen to that. I really believe if Satan can't make us really, really bad, he'll just make us really, really busy. If the devil can't make you choose sin, he'll just make you choose too much of the wrong thing. There there are people in this room, spirit-filled, powerful believers, who you're not going to go really, really bad, but you could get really, really busy. And you don't have room to hear from God. Consumed with the urgent, you miss out on what's most important. Martha goes to Jesus, and she's mad at her sister Mary, who sat at His feet and had a moment with Jesus because she had margin in her life. Martha's consumed with the preparations, distracted by... The, the good things and missing out on the best thing. And she complains to Jesus. And she actually says, to, doesn't this sound just like siblings? She says, Jesus, tell her to help me. Yeah. Anybody ever do that? You go to your mama? My, my kids all the time. My, my son, uh, his chores, he refers to as hard work. Now, look at me in the eyes. That boy's never done hard work a day in his life. Has no idea. But he, he, he will, he will, he'll just do the best He can, he works hard at not working hard. Are you with me on that? And his sister will come to to come to his mom and say, Mama, Henry's not helping me. And he'll say, I'm doing hard work. (laughs) I'm doing, I'm doing. And he complains, and Martha complains. I'm sorry, Mary, Martha complains about Mary not doing any work. Luke 10 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord said. So Martha's complaining, my sister's not helping. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Now, i got to be honest with you. I feel like the reason I had to preach this today is this verse. In the middle of a world gone crazy in panic and anxiety and weird, you can do a, you can do a whole lot of many things, but there's one thing that you really need. 
I think it's what you're experiencing right now. I think it's faith, and I think it's hope, and I think it's love. I think it's building up your faith together. There's just one thing. Mary has chosen, listen to me, what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I'm calling this church to the best things of God. I'm calling you as a family to better things in your life. I'm not telling you, you don't, you're not doing good things. I'm not telling you that, that, that you're living in sin and, and, and you need to stop and all the stuff you're involved in is wrong and sinful. I grew up believing a lot of that, honestly. I grew up believing everything was sin. The problem with that is when everything's sin, nothing is sin. Right? When nothing has value, nothing has weight when it's all the same, uh, when it's put on the same plane. So I'm not telling you it's all sin. It's just not. It's, it's just I didn't get to play sports in school. We thought it was sinful. I, I didn't get to. None of that's sin. It's not. That can be good things. But if they take the place of the best things and you miss out on what God would want to give you that no one can take away from you. What happens when you have no room in your life? Two things, I think. Write this down. When you have no margin and no room for God. Number one, when margin decreases, your stress increases. I give you toilet paper <laughs> as my example. When there's no margin, you start getting stressed. Nothing will stress you out. Come on, somebody. Like just not knowing whether you have enough. Are you with me without being crude? Do you understand? But, but honestly, I'm being honest with you. It's what's created the panic in grocery stores for food and perishable items. And I, I heard HEBs out of meat and frozen items. People are eating stuff they've never ate in their whole lives. People are eating stuff they're allergic to. <laughs> they're just buying stuff. It's just, just, to, just to say I have, you know why? Because margin has decreased and there's this, there, there, it's, it's created stress. When you don't, if, if, if you're running late to church and you have no margin, then you will say ungodly things to your kids. Right before you walk into church where you say, praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see you all today. God bless you all today. And you've just cussed your kids up one side and down the other because you're stressed out about how late you are. Are we the only family? We don't cuss about it. But are we the only family that does that? Of course we're not. You are too because when margin decreases, your stress increases. When, you, when you're worried about money and you're looking at you got one more week before you get paid and I don't have any margin, the stress goes up in your life and your family. And it's true in your emotional life and in your spiritual life. When margin decreases, stress increases. Financial margin decreases. Marriage fighting increases. There's just stress that comes to that. you got to have margin to reduce stress. Here's the second thing that happens when you have no room. As your margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases. As margin decreases, as the room that you have for God to move as extra time, then relational intimacy decreases. So Martha is with Jesus, but she's not with Him. She's present, but she isn't present. She's there, but not there. You ever felt that way? You ever talked to someone who you knew their eyes were somewhere else, their mind was somewhere else? They were here, but not here. Try being a preacher on Sunday morning. But you knew they were, I mean, they were sitting there. You could see them, but you knew they weren't there, right? Martha has now missed out on a relational, intimate moment with God. Not because of bad things, just because she had too many things. 
just because she was distracted by things that could have waited. You can be on vacation and not connect with your family because you're connecting with your phone. Your mind can still be running when you're off the clock and, and you're not present and there's no margin in your life. And so the relational intimacy in your marriage and in your family with your kids and with God starts to decrease. It's true in your relationship with God. It's true in your spiritual life. If you don't have any room, then you spend less time in prayer, less time reading God's word, less time in church attendance. If, if, if you've stretched your budget too far, you can't tithe. So this relational intimacy starts. And, and before long, you'll, you'll, you'll look back over your spiritual life and you think, how did I get so far? I, I didn't get so far because I wandered off. I got so far because I didn't have any margin. I just had this sliver of space here and I couldn't fit all my spiritual life in it. And I'm asking you to make room. From now to Easter, I'm asking you to make room in your mind. Make room in this church for more people. Make room and listen, we have not seen our best days. I, there are people who think, man, it's just, I, I liked it when, you know, it was just us. Well, I love you, but this isn't just about us. I, I, we, as long as people are going to hell, it can't be just about us, everybody. You've got to make room for more people. We've got to make room, I'm telling our staff, make room for more team. Empower more people. The best thing you can do to work at City Hills Church is empower more people to do ministry here. The, the quickest way for you not to work at City Hills, my staff knows, is by doing all the ministry. Why? Because we're making room for people who have gifts that are better than ours. Y'all didn't catch that. People who are better than what we do at what we do. That's what God's called us to do. To make room for more people. To make room for God. Listen to me. Some of you have never been in a spirit-filled church. When we get out of the Easter season, God willing, I'm going to start a series on the power of the Holy Spirit. We're, I'm, I, I, can I go ahead and tell you this? I'm, I'm so happy with the title. I want to go ahead and tell you. Can I tell you? It, I, I'm going to call it Wind and Fire, just not Earth. Right? Huh? You with me on that? That was that's clever, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you think you've gotten all that God wants to have for you, you don't make room for the Holy Spirit because He may have more for you. He may have gifts He wants to give you. He may want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. You've got to have room for that in your life. You've got to have room. You've got to have room. You've got to have room. The biblical word, come play, so they think I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm closing earlier. That's not her fault. I'm two minutes early. I need someone to bake me a cake for that. Uh, you ain't got no eggs. <laughs> Somebody share with my sister who feels cold. Make room for a brother's chocolate cake. <laughs> uh, there's a biblical word for too much. Now, this is going to hurt, so get ready. Because we don't use this word a whole lot. Because we think it's something else. We think it's what it's not. So I'll, I'll tell you the word. The biblical word for too much is idolatry. Now we think idolatry is a statue we carved of a little monkey man that you worship and burn incense to. And that is. But idolatry, better defined in the Bible, is elevating good things to become supreme things. It's elevating things that are good that take the place of God. It becomes idolatry in your life. And, 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 and right here pre-Easter, right, right before we enter the Easter season, and I think right in the middle of this chaos and panic around the world and fear and anxieties grip the world, I'm calling this church 
to cast down the idols we've built in our lives, to take away the stuff. We think a bigger house will equal a better marriage. Nothing wrong with a bigger house. It's just not supreme. We think a nicer car will increase my security. Nothing wrong with a nice car. It's just not supreme. We think a promotion will help us keep up this lifestyle. If our kids are involved in everything under the sun, they got to be the best flute player of all flute players in all the world. Nothing wrong with being the best flute player. It just can't be the supreme thing. Got to have the perfect body because you believe your soul is not as valuable as your body. It's just elevating good things to become supreme things. So what do we do, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. I want you to have a come to Jesus meeting. Over the next four weeks as we head into Easter, I want to come close to God. I want you to come close to Jesus. We need it right now, everybody. You, you want to know what my ultimate goal in this, in this crisis? In the middle, let me tell you what, I'm going I'm to preach for the next foreseeable future. I'll, I'll preach it all over Facebook. While y'all are sharing where toilet paper is, I'm going to point people to Jesus. I'm going to make Jesus' name the highest name that I possibly can. I'm going to elevate Jesus above all. You know why? Because I, I, I don't want to elevate the good things to become supreme. I need a come to Jesus meeting. I, this world needs to come to Jesus in this time. Jesus even said it like this, Matthew 11, and I'll pray for you. Come to me. Let's come to Jesus meeting. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Take my yoke upon you. Interesting, because people who say, well, I'm going to rest from doing anything. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> when you get rest, you get a yoke from Jesus. Look at me, everybody. You get, a, you get to do what God's called you to do. That's rest. Rest is not, well, I can't serve right now. I can't do anything. I can't do anymore. I've got to take my time off. That's not rest. Rest is, God, I've got to do what you've called me to do. I've got to take your yoke on me. If you'll do that and learn from me, he's gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you, here's the ultimate thing that I want for you in this season, I will give you rest, not in your body, but in your soul. Soul level Rest. I want that for you. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray for people in the room today who feel that burden of much and more and too much. And God, they just feel overwhelmed and crowded by all the stuff in their life. Maybe overwhelmed and crowded by guilt and shame and fear, anxiety and worry. And I just pray today they would make room in their hearts for more. God, I pray for divine margin in their lives. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help them in this season, especially in this season. God, as they gather in their homes, as they keep their family close, some of them, their kids are going to be with them another week or two, and, and maybe their jobs are telecommuting. And, and, and God, they just got some extra time to really be alone and quiet. I pray they would start looking around for margin physically, in their lives, in their schedule, in their budget? Do I have margin? Am I living on the edge? But in their emotions, in their morals, and in their spiritual life, do I have room for God to speak to me? Do we have room for more? God, I pray against the sin of busyness. I know the enemy can't make me really, really bad, but I refuse to be really, really busy, so busy that I elevate good things to become supreme things. God, I repent for any idolatry in my life, anything I've elevated higher than God, anything I've put above God's plan for me, God's best for me.
God, in this season, I make room for you. God, I pray. Come on, bow your heads, receive this. God, I pray for people to make room for others in this time. That it's not just about us four. God, their neighbors and friends and family that may need encouragement or help or physical help or a phone call or a checkup on you. Are you okay? Are you financially? We've got extra. I'll share with you. We'll cook together. We'll, we'll make it through. I'll babysit your kids if they're home. I'll, I, we'll make room for more. I'll make room for more love and faith and hope in this season. God, I pray for that. I pray for some breathing room so that you can breathe on us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody shout a big amen. Amen, amen. amen.